With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Hello, I'm Adam. And welcome to episode 34 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Before we get stuck into anything that we're talking about this week in the world of boxing, I just want to thank you for uh, downloading and subscribing our podcast. Uh, If this is the first time that you've come to join us, you're more than welcome to hit the subscribe button. And if you do do that on iTunes, uh, please write us a five-star review. It helps us um, with visibility in the iTunes chart, so therefore other fight fans can get involved uh, with what we do. You can also listen to us, by the way, um, via Audio Boom. If that is your choice, you're more than welcome to go there. So all you've got to do is search us out, Fight Disciples, either on iTunes or on Audio Boom, and then you'll never miss out on any of the weekly content that we knock out. And each week, we do our very best to give you two episodes, one on boxing, one on the UFC. Uh, so whichever tickles your fancy, if you're into both of them, you can listen to both. If you listen like one of them, you can listen to one, vice versa. That's see, We're nice, accommodating fellas like that. And it's free. Absolutely free. We don't charge you a bean, do we? Don't charge you a bean. Um we're also available on various social medias, and I'd like to just uh, say congratulations to Oliver uh, Blacklock, who won our competition for the Anthony Crawler tickets on our Facebook page last week. Well done, he. He uh, got to go to uh, the arena in Manchester to watch 12 rounds of absolutely sensational world-class boxing, and that is where we'll start our podcast this week, my friend. Um, we knew that Jorge Linares was some fighter. I'll be honest with you, I did not see him doing that down the stretch in the championship rounds. However, that's what world-class fighters do, don't they? They find it when they when they need it the most. And when it got to round 10 against Anthony Crawler, he put his foot down and accelerated away. He did, yeah. And uh, I think you're right as well. I think it was it was won and lost in the championship rounds, wasn't it? I thought it was a great fight. Absolutely brilliant. But Crawler was outstanding. Um, and for a lot of the fight, he looked like his tactics were going to be right. I thought his guard was brilliant. His footwork was good. Yes, Leonardo was pushing the pace for most of the fight. Yes, he did have a, a bright start. But I thought uh, Crawler really come into it, you know, three, four, five. I think he took a big shot, wasn't it, in the fifth or the sixth round, which wobbled him a little bit, but then he came back really strongly in the seventh. So going into the championship rounds at round 10, flip a coin, you know, I thought it really was that close. Mm. Um, but but you're right, Adam, I'm, I'm with you, you know, I just thought that. Linares just showed his class and just showed that little bit of experience in the final two rounds, didn't he? Just to just to make sure he swayed the judges and got the decision. Always makes me laugh off the back end of a fight like that when um, fight fans then start having to go on social media. Told you so. Told you. Told you so. It's like you're happy that one of your own has ended up losing his world title. Why, why, I don't understand that. If you're a Brit and you're a fight fan, why aren't you supporting the Brit? I understand that you can uh, enjoy... Other fighters, for example, Jorge Linares, the Venezuelan. I enjoy him. I think he was a brilliant fighter and I thank him for coming and showing his talents in the Manchester arena. Yeah. But Anthony Crawler's is one of our own. There's no way on God's green earth that I'm happy that he's lost his belt. So I don't understand why people jump on the bandwagon and say, ha, serves you right. Serves you right, Joe Gallagher. Serves you right, Eddie Hearn. 
What 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 do you mean serves you right? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, serves you right because you've made the biggest match in the lightweight division, and it features a British guy that, let's face it, ever since he won the title, he's done nothing but meet the toughest opponents possible in front of him. You know, it would have been easy, far easier, I'm sure, even though they've got rival promoters, for Anthony Crawler to, to go down the, the Terry Flanagan route and to do a, an all-Manchester world title unification. But he chose not to do that. He chose to try and be great. He chose to try and fight for the ring title, the number one spot against Linares, a three-weight world champion. You can't then turn around and, and give him anything but all the respect in the world for the performance that he put in. He never got blew away. He got he proved that he was in this class, that he that he belongs at this level. And you know, hopefully, touched on it then, Adam. Thanks very much, Jorge Linares, for coming to Manchester. Please come back. Mm. Let's see that again. I yeah. want to see the second fight. I want to see the next twelve rounds, please. Uh, no, absolutely. And I think Anthony will learn an awful lot from going in with someone like uh, Linares. Styles do make fights. We know that they have com- uh, well contrasting styles. Jorge Linares, extremely fast, powerful. The way that he goes about his boxing, sensational footwork. Anthony's come forward, and that 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 gelling of styles just makes for an intriguing battle because either one of them could have won that fight. It just so happened on Saturday night. Jorge Linares, his class, his slickness, his his foot movement, and from round ten onwards, putting his foot down with that engine that he had, ended yep. up winning the fight. Next time, it could be it could be different. It could be Crawler that lands that tell him blow in the sixth or the seventh round, whatever it was. You know, when Crawler said afterwards, I think it was the sixth round, he said he hit me with the right hand in the sixth round. Mm. And it wobbled me senses. He actually won the seventh round, though, which is, which is strange. He was winning he said, that sixth round up until that shot. That's right. But he said he didn't quite recover from that throughout the rest of the fight. It affected him later on in the fight. Mm. Well, who knows? A second fight, it could be Crawler that lands on Linares in the sixth round. You know, that, that's boxing. That's why we absolutely of course, yeah. the game, isn't it? And, uh, you know, anyone that's got anything but eternal praise for the effort that Anthony Crawler put in the weekend needs to go and give the Reds a bit of a wobble because uh, that was a, that was a hell of a performance against the number one guy in the division. And uh, you know, there's certainly more fights out there for for Anthony certainly at this at this world title level as well. They I have just to, hope, they have to make the rematch. rematch. Yeah, they have to I make the rematch, so. don't they? I, I think so. The thing with Linares, obviously, he's based out he's based out of Japan. Uh, he's, he's had such a weird career. Obviously, he's, he's Venezuelan, is his nationality. But if you look at his boxing record, he's actually boxed all over the world. Mm. Um, so he's, it, it'd be hard for, for him to retain the favour in terms of going to his backyard and, and do what he's done at Crawler. That would make sense, you know, for most fighters. It kind of the Tyson Fury Klitschko thing. Fury goes over to Germany, the Klitschko hotbed, beats him in his own backyard. The return fight takes place, well, hopefully, one day, maybe. <laughs> you know, mm. But it was scheduled to take place in Manchester. So the thing with Linares, he doesn't really have a base like that. Okay, he's promoted by Golden Boy based out of California. But if you look at his record, he's not really boxed in California. He's boxed everywhere. You know, he, he hasn't got a base, if you like, and there's obviously not the money in Japan. So this is an Eddie Earn moment. And you know, one thing Eddie Earn has proven, above all else, since he took over the boxing side of his business from his dad is he gets big fights to British shores and there's no bigger fight out there in that division for me right now except the rematch. Mm, I'd agree with that. There is a, a an interesting one though on the Tony Bell you undercard between your old boy uh, Derry Matthews and Luke Campbell. Winner of that yeah. might be something if they can't make a rematch Maybe something down those lines. I mean, I would absolutely love to see Crawler, uh, Matthews, part three. Even Luke Campbell as a slick, tricky, up-and-coming southpaw taking on Crawler. Maybe as that stepping 
Stone fight as an eliminator for maybe a, a title shot at the WBO champion Terry Flanagan. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Ideally, yeah. the rematch, but there are some great fights out there in the lightweight division. Domest- domestically, they're brilliant fights. Um, you know, Terry Matthews, a, a very dear friend of mine, you know, really close friend, but with all due respect to both Terry and to Luke Campbell, as much as I love that fight, those two guys are fighting in the hope of being of being linked with Anthony Collar, the hope of, mm. of getting matched there. Crawler's just lost to the number one guy in the division. If he'd have won, he, he, as far as I'm concerned, Crawler remains the number two guy in the division. Those guys are a lot further down the pecking order. Crawler, for me, the, the, the rematch with Linares or potentially a, a fight with another world champion, whether it be Flanagan or somebody else, I think that's got to be the next step for Anthony Crawler, not an eliminator. I think you come back down to the eliminator, you might struggle to get the motivation, but not only yeah. that, you know, Great crowd in Manchester on, on Saturday night. You don't want him to take a step backwards. You want him to stay at that level. It's like the Ricky Burns syndrome. Ricky Burns had more world title fights than anybody. The reason being is something goes on in Glasgow when Ricky up in Scotland when Ricky Burns fights. He's got a great following. They get bums on seats. They need to stay on that with Anthony Crawler. You know, we all know now that he's the nicest guy in boxing, but also is is, is world class. Let's keep him in the world class contention. We've got to get another fight for Manchester for the lightweight title. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Uh, sticking with the Manchester theme, ringside at the weekend, watching Anthony Crawler and Jorge Linares was a certain Mr Tyson Fury. Uh, yeah. 24 hours previous, it was announced that the fight was off between him and Vladimir Klitschko, uh, scheduled for later on this year. Uh, medically unfit to fight is the terminology. There's a few things that have happened since then. I mean, I've seen uh, a little bit of rhetoric from Peter, his uncle, saying that he needs to get himself 100% fit. He will fight again. We will see him in 2017, but it's not going to be this particular year. To be fair, before me and you uh, get stuck into this, I spoke to Tyson two days after he became world champion, and we spoke then about, obviously, the adulation. But one thing that I take from that conversation was that he left me thinking that he was going to retire, even at that point, a year ago. This is what he had to say for himself. Um, yeah, it could be an option because I'd fulfilled what I set off to do in life. Yeah. And I, I don't really have anything else I can do. No matter who else I beat now in the world, it ain't going to compare with beating an 11-year reigning super champion, is it? No. Well, no, there's absolutely not, not. There's not much more I can do, and there's never going to be another bigger fight than me versus Klitschko because... Who who else is there that's been a reigning champion for 11 years and was regarded as the pound-for-pound pound best in boxing? What's the situation with a rematch with him? Is there one in the, is there yeah, one in the contract? Yeah, a rematch clause, yes. So wherever, whenever and wherever that fight is, then I would take it again and give him the option to get his belt back. Or try to, anyway. I mean, it'd be great for the British fans for that to happen in the UK. Now, I know that you're not bothered. You Actually, I think you kind of fancy Germany again, don't you? I do fancy Germany again, yeah, because... What better than to go there in the first place and beat him and then go back and beat him twice? <laughs> then we know he's not a fluke, don't we? Because no. he might have fluked it the other night. It'd be a shame, one, for you to retire and, to do, and two, go and do it in Germany. I would love to see you uh, do it in the UK. I know you're a big Man United fan. Old Trafford's got to be a, a little bit of an ambition, hasn't it, fighting there? Listen, definitely Old Trafford's one of the ambitions, but, you know, a big fight like that probably won't going to be at uh, Old Trafford. It'll have to be at the National Stadium in the country, in the National Stadium of course, in uh, yeah. Wembley. Listen, if you do call it a day, there's always X Factor, isn't there? Yeah, I suppose. And, and uh, Simon Cowell doesn't want to put me through. I'll have to chin him, won't I? <laughs> Go for it. I can lay awake just to see you breathing. Watch you smile while you were sleeping. 
The best thing about that, I know you're singing to Paris there, which is absolutely beautiful, mate, but yeah. the, the crowd are singing along with you. Everyone was singing. Did you see the video of uh, Freddie Flintoff singing it as well? Oh, mate, sensational stuff. You've yeah. caused the right storm. Like I say, if you fancy X Factor, it's there for you if you want to have a go at it. Listen, I can suppose they're going to have a go at it. Britain's got talent, X Factor, whatever you want to do. <laughs> I don't suppose they're going to refuse the heavyweight champion of the world, are they? He's right in what he says there, Nick. End of the day, what else is there for him in the heavyweight division? It must be quite hard to motivate himself for any fight, even a rematch with Klitschko, because Klitschko was the 11-year unbeaten champion. He had all the belts. He was the he was the unsung hero, and he went there and took it off him in his backyard. Everything else that he does from now on pales into a second place. Exactly. He'll never, ever, you know, do any better than he's done the first time around. To beat Klitschko under those circumstances, to go to Germany his backyard, you know, to do it there after 11 years and against all the odds, you know, and to win the world title, not just the world title, the undisputed heavyweight world title, he will never top that. And that was always going to be the issue with Tyson is can he motivate himself? Because he's, you know, he's not somebody that you would think is madly in love with the game. He's not like Mayweather where Mm. he's, you know, training at three o'clock in the morning, looks after himself. You know, he's not, he's not, dedicated to the craft in that way. You, you always find it. I always thought with Tyson, it's a, it's like a means to an end with him. You know, he's just a fighting man. Uh, whether he is fighting for world titles or he's, he's, he's fighting in a, in a field somewhere, that, that kind of, you get that from Tyson Fury. He's not in it to be an athlete. He's certainly not in it to be a professional sportsman. And his goal from day one, you know, he, he was born and named Tyson, for Christ's sake. So his, his path was laid out in front of him. From the very young age, he's wanted to be the heavyweight champion of the world. He's achieved that. Mm. That goal is done. His dream was never to be the long-standing heavyweight champion of the world, to break the record as making the most world title defences of a heavyweight belt. That was never, ever on his agenda. It was always just to become the heavyweight champion of the world. He achieved that in Germany. I fully expected him to actually retire. But then the Klitschko fight, you know, we hear, we hear obviously, Peter saying that the fight's worth between four and six million dollars. That's a lot of money to walk away from for anybody. Hmm. You know, regardless of... of, of of you know where you see yourself long term. At the end of the day, he's achieved his goal. So you know what? If he's not going to take it serious, well, you may as well get a payday on your way out mm. and just and, and just go in there half arsed and let Klitschko clock you on the chin. There's obviously an issue, deep rooted issue, and you know, and then we get we get to this horrible word depression, which is you know it, it, it it's a disease. You know, and at this point in time, I don't think we should even be talking about when Tyson Fury's coming back. If Tyson Fury's going to defend his belt this year or whether the belt should go elsewhere. That's all superficial in regards to Tyson Fury's own position. Yeah. He needs to get himself right. You know, depression is a, a very serious illness, and he needs to get himself right and not worry about the belts and not worry about the heavyweight title. At the end of the day, WBO will make him champion incumbent anyway. So they will, even if they take the belts off him, 
he will be the incumbent champion. You know, he can come, when he does come back, he will get the first available shot at his old yeah, belt. I mean, that's for sure because he's the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. So there's nothing to fear there, but I just think at the moment the focus has got to be on getting Tyson Fury healthy, clear of depression, and uh, you know, and get his life back on track. With all that, with all that said, have we helped him though, as society? Because he becomes world heavyweight champion. He's had this dream for years and years. The next thing that pops up is obviously all these stories in the newspaper regarding his views as a gypsy on the world in general. Then the IBF strip him. Um, then the sports personality fiasco, where other athletes are, f- are threatening to to not go because uh, they don't believe that he should be celebrated. I mean, this must play on a fella's mind. I know he's a strong-minded fella, but when society seems to be against you, when you've just become the heavyweight champion, you should be being celebrated. When that's just happened to you, then that must have a massive effect. Of course, yeah. Of course it does. And, uh, you know, I think like like most sportsmen, well, like most people, most no, you know good people, and, and Tyson is, and, and we know he's outspoken. That's what makes him so entertaining. But his views are his views, you know, that's the way he's been brought up. You know, he, Just because they're his views, you either agree with them or you don't agree. That, that That's part and parcel of life, you know. Not everybody sings from the same song sheet. But at his core, he's a good man, Tyson Fury. He's a religious man, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a nice fella, as we know. Mm. He just, he, and like us all, he just wants to be loved, you know. He just wants to... He just wants to have the support of the people, you know. He just wants to be cherished and celebrated as a champion. And, and you're right, I think he's got... He's coming for a lot of stick. You know, I, I hate it when people ask questions about, you know, uh, religion and stuff like that. You know, sometimes when, they're, when they're trying to trip athletes up in that purpose, because, Yeah, they're doing it on purpose it, because they know full they do, well that know? he's got a strong view and they know full well that he's not going to back down from that strong view. So they're looking for a soundbite. That's what they're doing. Exactly, you know, and so it, it's typical British press behaviour, isn't it? You know, we, we get these people, we build them up into champions and then we can't wait to knock them down. It's just the way... The way the media, the sports media in this country works, unfortunately, you know, it, it wouldn't happen anywhere else. Go to Australia and watch Australia deal with their champions and handle their champions. They don't operate like this. They celebrate their winners. They protect their winners. They look out for them. You know, they they put them on a pedestal. We do the exact opposite in this country. Hmm. We build people up and then we slag them back down, and yet we celebrate. Knobheads like Eddie the Eagle Edwards that did absolutely nothing, and yet we cherish we cherish people like that as a national treasure. Yeah, you get is. what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, I do. And not just necessarily sports. We seem to, uh, as a society, celebrate the wrong type of person. At the end of the day, the guy pulled off one of the greatest sporting achievements of the last 20, 30 years. He went yeah. into the backyard of the heavyweight champion of the world of 11 years and beat him. Unanimous yeah. points decision. He didn't knock him out, get a lucky punch. He he, sp- he bingled him over over 12 rounds. Fair play. Exactly. And yet, you know, he gets he gets an absolute tirade and a, and a really hard time in the press. And yet, because he's you know, a gypsy, that's it. End of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. Mm. You know, it's uh, it's it's everything that's wrong with uh, with 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 you know with society in Britain, isn't it? Mm. You know, we celebrate people that go on strictly come dancing and crap like this who have achieved absolutely nothing in life. These so-called celebrities that we're obsessed with on Essex and all this other garbage. And yet someone actually does something, goes, trains hard, dedicates his life, does something that no other athlete was able to achieve in 11 years of competition, goes to Germany, beats someone who's based in Germany, beats, wins a boxing match, a world title in, in Germany, Germany I know. which is against the heavyweight champion of the world. He's been undisputed. What he achieved was just absolutely incredible. And yet, you know, 
he's, he's largely been vilified for it, and, and that's that's everything that's wrong. But yeah. right here, right now, I think everyone, even the mainstream press, all that needs to be put to aside now because the only focus that everybody should have is Tyson Fury's well-being. Because again, depression's a, you know it, it's a motherfucker, mm. and uh, it comes up and bites you, and you know it, it can it can jump up on anybody. And, Right now, he just needs all the support in the world. And whether his career continues into 2017, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I'm like you, Adam. After he beat Klitschko, I just kind of thought, well, where does he go from here? You know, what's left for him to achieve? Plus, he had all those letdown opportunities with David Hay and everything else. You know, boxing largely hasn't been good to Tyson Fury. You know, he's he's had he's, he's not really had all the breaks that a lot of people have had. He's certainly not the, had the advantages that Anthony Joshua's been fortunate to have. He's had to do it the hard way, so I'm not surprised that he's a little bit turned off by the sport or unmotivated to fight. And now people are jumping at the chance of obviously getting him stripped and therefore freeing up some belts for uh, other people to have a go at. Now, I do have... I'm in support in a way of... Um, other fighters being able to realise their dreams and not having their dreams held up because of something that's going on away from boxing. But I'm with you on that, that we need to support Tyson Fury. And this isn't going to help. The WBA and the WBO are coming along and saying, right, uh, we may strip you. We're going to give you 10 days. The WBO have issued him 10 days to come back with a with medical proof of as to what the problem is and all this. So therefore, they can make their decision. The thing is with that is he's a proud man. If he is yeah. suffering with something that he, he or his culture would class as maybe weak, there's no way that he's going to declare it. There's no way no. that he's going to come to the WBO and say, yeah, all right, I've got depression. He ain't going to do that. And therefore, no. what will happen is that the WBO won't stand for it. They'll strip him, which will then obviously make the situation worse. And it will make it doubly worse because then society will jump on the back of it. It says, there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just messing about. He's just being Tyson Fury, you know? Yeah. Society can be a bit of a motherfucker, like you said, right at this moment, and and it could it could really kick him when he's down, and we need to be quite careful about it. On the flip side of it, moving away from the Tyson Fury thing, because we wish him all the best, and I hope he does get better soon. On the flip side of it, that leaves now um, Vladimir Klitschko without a fight on November the twenty sixth. Uh, sorry, yes. in October. I, October. I refer to November twenty sixth because that's the date that Anthony Joshua has booked the uh, Manchester Arena for. He doesn't have an opponent. Can we make that fight? If they can make that fight, should they make that fight? From a fight fan perspective, 100% they should make that fight. We want to see that fight. The biggest fight outside of a Fury-Klitschko rematch. It's certainly the biggest fight out there for for, uh, Anthony Joshua. So 100% I would love to see that fight. Do I think it will be made? I don't think it will. Uh, I don't think the Manchester Arena is a big enough venue for a start, uh, and they've kind of committed to that venue. So unless there's a, a change of venue and they potentially take it down to the O2 or even to it's – a, it's a Wembley Stadium fight, to be totally honest with you. And uh, I just can't see that fight happening. Plus, what is it now? Eight or nine weeks' time. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of business to be done in a short space of time. I, I, Again, from a fight fan perspective, I hope it does happen. I think it's a brilliant fight. And what a brilliant way for Tyson to be able to take time away from the sport that he needs. But then, you know, there's a, a great opponent there waiting for him at the start of 2017. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I, I think if Tyson, I know the, WB, the WBO have basically give Tyson 10 days from today, um, 10 days from Tuesday to, to clarify his medical status they've come out and said today. So they want him to 
show them some medical evidence as to why he, he can't defend his, his titles. As you've just touched on them, we don't think he's going to be able to provide anything, or even if he does, you know, depression is such a, a, a tough thing to overcome. The, the chances of him being out short-term are, are quite slim. You know, we're probably looking at months uh, well into 2017, I would have thought. So it makes sense for me for the belt to move on, for the WBO belt to move on for somebody else, uh, and Tyson to be waiting in the wings. And there's no better fight out there, is there? You know, AJ, Klitschko, it would be sensational. I just don't know whether they can turn it around. I don't know whether Manchester Arena's big enough for a fight of that magnitude. I don't know. Uh, fingers crossed, but I, can't, I just can't see it happening. Are you surprised that Anthony Joshua hasn't been able to nail down an opponent as of yet for that particular date? There's rumours that certain people have been offered uh, big, bigger money to fight Anthony Joshua than other uh, fighters that uh, they have gone on to end up taking. For example, I'm led to believe that Huey Fury was offered around £600,000 uh, with a cut of the pay-per-views, which might take it up to about eight hundred grand. Then they wanted one and a half million quid. Pulev did, want, was offered around about the same money and took less money to go and fight somebody else. It's a little bit... He's in a bit of a tough situation at the moment, is AJ, you need to get himself the credible fights that, the, that is going to challenge him. Yeah, and I, and I agree. There's obviously two ways to look at that, though, as well. You know, it's it's, it's all going well saying Pulev was offered half a million quid and, and turned it down or, or whatever. But, you know, you'd, I don't know what the full return is in terms of an AJ fight, in terms of pay-per-view numbers, in terms of what AJ makes from the fight. You know, it's it, everything's relative, isn't it? You know, mm. you, you would... Nobody in the world... Everybody in the world wants to fight Conor McGregor in the UFC or wants to fight... Uh, you know, Canelo or Triple G or whatever. Everyone wants to fight the biggest names, but you also want to be paid. There's a reason why you want to fight them names. One, from a sporting perspective, you want to win. You want you want to be the biggest name. You want to be the pound for pound guy. But number two is is the biggest payday of your career. You know that's why you want to do it. And um, Pulev and Huey Fury and stuff. Potentially, they're turning down that fight because they're not getting a, a big enough slice of the pie. You know, if I, I'd fight Anthony Joshua himself if the money was right, but obviously the money's got to be right first and foremost. This is a business. At the end of the day, it's you know these guys aren't in it just for, just to win belts. They're in it to to secure their own futures and to put money in the bank. And you know, to to fight Anthony Joshua, I'd want you know seven figures, and I'm not even a pro boxer, so I can kind of see where they're coming from. I just at the back of my mind as well, I'm also thinking. Did Eddie Hearn envisage this happening? You know, let's face it, the, the Fury-Klitschko rematch has already been cancelled once or postponed once. This is the second time this, the second fight now has been, has been put off this time indefinitely. Did, did Eddie Hearn see that coming, do you think? Is that why AJ's not mixed up? Was he hoping to get Klitschko in a situation where Klitschko started a camp, he's, he's, he's ready to go, you know, he's, he's got everything, all his trainers and everything, his programme around him. Did he want him to start a camp and then maybe slip in with the AJ offer and, and, and try and sal- salvage something there so it, Klitschko wasn't on the shelf long term? I don't know, but I'm just kind of speculating, spitballing here as to why AJ got, hasn't gotten a, you know, an, an opponent boot yet, but Man, that critical fight would be sick, wouldn't it? You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on all social medias, at Fight Disciples on Twitter, at Fight Disciples on Instagram, 
at Fight Disciples on Facebook. Facebook's where you're going to find the competitions and videos. On Twitter's where the majority of our fight conversation goes on. And obviously on Instagram, is pictures when we're messing about uh, with fighters ringside or leading up to fight week. Go and follow us on there and you'll never miss out on any of the content that we knock out on a weekly basis. Uh, now then, just looking forward uh, to fights that are coming up. Um, the day that we record this particular podcast, one of our good mates in the world of uh, boxing has got himself another world title shot. And we're absolutely delighted uh, for Swifty. Stephen Smith taking on Jason Souza, uh, who is the WBA uh, super featherweight champion. It's happening in Monaco. Matchroom, oh. Matchroom are putting on this show, you know. It's a Matchroom show in Monaco. Wow. This, that's quite flash, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's happening it on November the 12th. We're delighted for the lad. He's one of the... Ni- I know that we talk about Crawler being one of the nicest lads in boxing, but Swifty, if you were to epitomise the word gentleman, that's exactly what he is. He's a top, 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 top fella. Lovely fella. Uh, and he's a, he's a blooming good boxer as well. And obviously he missed out uh, against uh, Pedraza, the sniper. I thought he was ve- it was very close fight, obviously, but he it just fell short. I think this could be his moment against uh, Jason Souza. This could be the moment where that amateur career um, is uh, receives the cherry on top of its cake with a professional uh, world title. Yeah, I hope so. You know, it's another tough fight, isn't it? Let's be honest. Sosa's a, a little bit of a machine. You know, I'd certainly rank him in the in the top uh, in the top three of this, this super featherweight division. Uh, obviously, Lomachenko is the man at the top of the top of the weight class, but this guy's right up there as well. Uh, he, he's a big puncher. You know, he, he's a real hard hitter. Uh, super aggressive, you know. It's a proper New Jersey type rough and tumble fighter, you know. And it's a, it's a real tough one for Swifty. But you know, at the end of the day, no, no one gets handed a world t- title belt on a plate, mm. uh, or, or very few people, anyway. <laughs> um, so you know, again, he's got to travel. He's got, he's got to hit the road. Uh, it, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, it, it'd be. A, It'd be uncomfortable going over there to Monaco and everything else. I'm sure he'll take a, a good following swiftly, as the Smith families always do. Um, but at the end of the day, this is the opportunity that he's been pushing for. You know, he, he is world class, as we know. He, he's proved that before. He, he came up short against Pedraza, but he bounced back in uh, in style at Goodison Park on the Tony Bellew undercard with, a, with another stoppage for the WBC interim title and stuff. So. He's up there, Swift. He's, he's in world title contention, obviously. So, you know, at this point in time, he just needs the right opportunity. And, you know, hopefully this is that opportunity. It, it would have been nice to see him get a world title shot on home soil. I know he was penciled in for the Tony Bellew undercard again in October in a couple of weeks' time, um, which would have been great to see the fight land there. But I'm not too sure now. Do you think Swifty will still fight on that? On that bell, you no. undercard. No, I don't I think you will. I can't see it now. No. Not with a world title, not with a world title shot in the offering, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to be in it to win it, haven't you? You know, so we. Uh, it's been a tough start to the season, Adam, as we talked about last week. You know, we're three we're three weeks in, and we're uh, we're two world title belts down. Um, so we, we we could do with a little bit of good news. We need to we need to keep the British run of world champions going, and we certainly could do with a new one. And, you know, Swift, Stephen Swifty Smith, he's certainly got the technical ability to do it. So hopefully this is going to be as nice. Before he gets in there on November the 12th, there's obviously one this weekend over in Germany. Um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on Cleverly because I know that you're big pals with Bellew. We know what Bellew thinks of uh, Cleverly down the years. Yeah. Um, 
this is a tough task. He's taking on Jurgen Bremer in his own backyard for the light heavyweight crown, WBA belt on the line. Um, they were originally due to fight each other, I think, in 2011, and then Bremer pulled out, and then I think... Uh, he uh, cleverly fought for the vacant WBO belt and ended up winning that and then defended it right up until he got bingoed by Sergei Kovalev, which is no great yeah. shakes because everybody gets bingoed off Kovalev. Um, <laughs> he's now got uh, an opportunity to, one, face Bremer, as he always wanted to do, and uh, reinstate himself uh, as a, a multi, uh, multi-time multi world champion. Uh, it is a tough ask, as we've said in this podcast when we've talked about Tyson Fury going to Germany. It's a tough, tough task to get a decision. Bremer's a tough, tough fella. Has cleverly got what it takes to do the business in this fight? I think cleverly, you know, cleverly certainly four or five years ago, um, categorically had the had the beating of Bremer. I thought he would have when they when they that opportunity for the WBO title was floated around in two thousand and eleven uh, before Bremer got pulled out and, and had to relinquish the title. I really fancied cleverly to to win that fight. You know, I really fancied him to do a number. I thought then he was he was so sharp, he was so confident. You know, he, he really was uh, the second coming of Joe Calzaghe uh, at that stage. And uh, you know, as he as he proved on that when he did win the title, and then he went on that incredible unbeaten run all the way to Kovalev. You know, mm. he looked he looked outstanding. I think it was only Bellew that really that really pushed him during that time in in that one defense. I think the rest of them were pretty much all. All TKOs, more or less. So he really, but you know, the, the loss to Kovalev. It, it, while it's no mean shakes, you know, everyone gets knocked out by Kovalev. I agree. I just don't know what kind of long term effect a beating like that had on a fighter like Cleverly. Well, I think you know, he's I had think, a big one. You know, I think he, uh, since that, like you say, he went on an amazing run. He, be, he beats everybody. I mean, it was a majority decision with Tony in that first fight at light heavyweight, and Tony's even said to us. He was dead at the scale. So who knows yeah, yeah. what would have happened if it had been at a different weight. Well, we found out what happened at a different weight when they both stepped up to Cruiser and Tony ends up winning on a split decision. Since that Kovalev knockout, um, he's had one, two, three. I think he's had five fights. He's lost two of them. He lost yeah. the last time out. I mean, obviously, Tony beat him with a split decision. Um, he, he was in the States, wasn't he, fighting uh, Andres uh, Fonfara? Yeah. yeah. And he got beat in that fight, unanimous decision. You know? did. That was that was a great fight, though. It was a really good fight. Uh, he put in a really good performance in that fight. Fonfara's, you know, looked very good. Don't get me wrong; he deserved the decision. But I was impressed by Cleverly because, you know, I wasn't impressed the '94 Bellew. I thought he was extremely negative, extremely gun shy, and I thought Kovalev's ruined this kid. Mm. And uh, you know, it was it wasn't a split decision against Bellew that second fight. And I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm Bellew's mate. It wasn't a split decision. Bellew dealt with them all night, and and uh, as I say, cleverly was gun shy throughout, and he just didn't look like the same fighter. Uh, I thought the Fonfara performance for me was a, a step back in the right direction at the back end of last year. What obviously the big question I'm going to ask is: How does a guy who loses a WBC interim title fight hmm. loses it? Get a world title fight. I know. How's that? In, how was that his next fight? How's it out without pulling a, another win together? You know, it's uh, it's unusual to say the least that he, that he's getting this shot. Maybe it's because don't get me wrong. Maybe it's because no other light heavyweight on the planet uh, who's ranked wants to go to Germany to fight Jürgen Bremer, and who would blame them? Really, you know, mm. we touched on it earlier. You know, you often lead a knockout to get a draw over in Germany anyway. <laughs> But I, I just don't know whether this fight's come a little bit too late for Cleverly, uh, whether it's playing to Bremer's hands. And, and again, 
you know, as we touched on there, Cleverly's lost three of his last six. You know, he's 50-50 in his last six fights. He's 29 now as well. You know, that little bit of zip's gone. The reflexes aren't quite what they used to be. I just don't know whether his heart is quite in boxing. Mm. Ever since that Kovalev fight, you know, he seemed completely committed to this sport and he really did seem like he was a, a super exciting prospect. But I think that loss really has affected him psychologically. I think that was the wake-up call to say, you know what, you're, you're not as good as you think you are. And I think cleverly, uh, don't get me wrong, he's an outstanding former world champion and hopefully he'll get another world title. But it, there's, there's levels in boxing that you're often going to meet guys. It's like when Bellew met Adonis Stevenson. You know, okay, Bellew was killing himself had to make light heavy, and he, and he realised then, no, he can't, he can't put himself at a disadvantage and, and, and face a guy like Adonis Stevenson who was at the very top of his game, you know, because that, that would have been the result. So Bellew had to go away and rebuild himself psychologically and physically, came back as a cruiserweight and rebuilt his confidence. Well, cleverly tried to do the same thing. He bounced out of the Kovalev defeat. Suddenly he's getting all these doubts in his mind, right? I'm going to try cruiserweight, goes mm-hmm. up to cruiserweight, has a couple of fights, loses against his nemesis, doesn't even turn up on the night against his, his nemesis, and then realizes, I need to go back to light heavy. So he goes back down to light heavyweight, Loses a fight in an interim title fight, you know. I don't know. I think the opportunity is there for him. I, I just can't see him winning this fight. Same. I can't. I think. Um, I mean, Jurgen Bremer goes the distance. It's going to go twelve rounds, I think, and I think he'll win quite. I think he'll win quite wide. Will Jurgen Bremer? Yeah. I don't want I it think, to. I don't want him to. No, I'd, lo- I'd love the Welsh lad to go there and do the business, but I don't think he will. A hundred percent. You know, more than anything, it's because that WBA belt. You know. It, stuck in Germany it's been stuck in Germany for so long you know don't get me wrong Bremer he's undefeated since 2008 and, and that's that's certainly no mean feat you know it must be about he must have had 20 fights you know mm. most of them world title fights and for the last six or seven fights it's, it's been this WBA world title that, he, that he's had around his waist ever since the night of course when he blew away Enzo Macronelli but you know Get the belt out of Germany, or at least come out of Germany to try and prove yourself. Or he's now he's he's fought once out of Germany, and that was in Hungary. <laughs> so only, know, down, exa- only down the road, <laughs> exactly. You know, and uh, so the, the thing with Jürgen Bremer is, yes, you've you've had this incredible career as a world champion, a two two a two time world champion. But in the grand scheme of things, Mister Bremer, in the grand scheme of the light heavyweight division, your name will not be synonymous with one of the greats of no. the light heavyweight decision regardless of how many titles defenses you've made because you've you've made them all in your own backyard in a country that it's synonymous with being really difficult to get a decision so fingers crossed for cleverly let's hope for the best you know we, we could do with a little bit of good fortune couldn't we our british guys mm. started this boxing season but it's a it's a big ask couldn't agree more Thank you very much for listening to our little show this week. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes. Write us a five-star review if you could. That'd be great. You'd help our visibility in the iTunes chart. And then hopefully more fight fans can come and enjoy uh, the weekly content that we provide. Failing that, you can also listen to us on Audio Boom. We are there weekly, often on several occasions. Uh, we're also available on all social media platforms under the guise of at Fight Disciples, whether it be Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Come and join the party. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.